Amen. Well, this morning we'll be looking at one of the most famous stories, one of the most famous stories in the Gospels. The story of Jesus calming the storm. It's often a story which we use to bring encouragement to us as God's people when the storms of life hit. It's a story that reminds us of God's faithfulness and his goodness to us. Now, where I do fully support that this passage can absolutely be a solid story of encouragement for us in order to help us through those hard times that we do face in life. It's not, that's not the primary message of this passage. The primary message in this story is Jesus' identity. Something we've been looking at a lot, hasn't it, throughout Look, It's one of our, our three points, wasn't it? Who was Jesus? What was his ministry? And what was his mission? And the, the truth, the underlying message of this passage is Jesus' identity. But it gets more specific than that. It's about the disciples as they begin to realise who Jesus might be. Who Jesus might be. And I would suggest to you that viewing Jesus through the eyes of these Jewish disciples out there in the storm, on the boat, stepping into that moment with them of marvel, that moment of revelation as to who Jesus might be, beyond whom they might have thought he was up until that point, will help us when we come to ask the question, can Jesus really help me through my time of trouble? Is he really able to guide me through? Is, does he really understand? And a question that I'm sure many of us have asked over the years as being Christians, does he really care? A question I know I've asked in the past. Does he really care? So if your Bible with you, please turn... Oh, there's a question. People were waiting for it, weren't they? Who's got their Bibles today? Oh, we're getting better. We're getting better. We'll, we'll keep doing it every week until every hand is up in the air. Youth, you've got your Bibles? Ah, <laughs> oh, dear, oh dear, I don't know. So if turn with me, please, to read... Uh, we're going to read Luke 8. Uh, today we are starting at verse 22. Then one day, he got into the boat with his disciples and said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the winds and the raging waves and they ceased, and there was calm. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marvelled, saying to one another, 
Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? Well, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we explore this passage today, Lord, we just ask that you be with us as we journey. Lord, I pray particularly that you open our hearts and our ears to hear the message that you have for us this morning. It's such a privilege every day to open your word and stand here particularly on Sundays and open your word. Lord, may it be life to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the story begins with Jesus turning to his disciples and getting in the boat and saying to them, let's go to the other side. Now there's absolutely a reason for this but you'll have to wait till next week to find out that point. But keep that one in here. But on departure, Jesus lays down and falls asleep. Now remember, Jesus had been ministering, hadn't he? The last two or three times that we've looked in Luke, we've seen Jesus ministering most of the day, if not multiple days. So it's no wonder that he's tired and needs some shut-eye. I'm sure if I went round the room, you can probably relate to this. Busy day at work, busy week at work. How many of you, after throwing some food down your throat, quick shower, are just pining for that bed, just to lay your head down? Isn't it funny when you're a child, going to bed is the worst thing in the world. The older you become, it's just the best thing, isn't it? How early can we actually get to bed without it you know, being strange? So they begin sailing across the Sea of Galilee when this great storm comes down upon the lake and starts to whip up the sea. Now this isn't uncommon. The Sea of Galilee sits 600 plus feet below the, um, uh, the, the sea level on the, uh, what's it called? The Rift Valley. I didn't even know it was in the Rift Valley, but it's in the Rift Valley apparently, which is an earthquake line, and it's surrounded by hills, and it's notorious for sudden swells and storms that have claimed many seasoned sailors' lives on the Sea of Galilee. And it must have been bad in this particular story that we've just read, because our story says that they were being swamped Now I take that, that the waves were coming into the boat, probably filling up from inside. They were being consumed by the waves and that they were in great danger. Now anyone who's been on a ferry off the the, the mainland coast of England or the UK in choppy weather knows it's not fun. Has anyone experienced that before? Yes, a few people have. It really isn't pleasant. And I have a vivid memory as a child going to France to visit some friends of my father and we crossed from Dover and it was pretty awful weather. And the memory that I have, it's typical, isn't it, that this is a child's memory, is going to the toilets and just seeing the floor just smothered in I do not want to know what, but it didn't look healthy at all. And it was just swaying around as the boat swayed. Um, So that's my lasting memory of... uh, of a choppy, choppy seas. But here, 
Here they are. They're in this storm and they're having a pretty bad time of it. What do the disciples do? Well, let's just recap recap our memories. They went and woke him, woke Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And the first point of this really is that there's one scenario happening here, but there are two different perspectives. One scenario, two two perspectives. There is absolutely a tale of two halves that we're reading here. On the one hand, the disciples are clearly distressed. They're clearly worried. But remember, some of them, not all of them, some of them were seasoned fishermen. They were seasoned fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. They knew the lake. They knew the dangers of the lake. But they were still afraid in this moment. But then on the flip side of this, Jesus was sleeping during the storm, was he not? And he needed waking. He wasn't a seasoned fisherman. His profession was carpentry. He probably built the boat, you know, being part of building a boat that, was, that they were sailing on. But he seemed unafraid of the situation. And he rebuked the elements and brought calm to the situation. How many times in life have you been in a stressful situation, a challenging situation, but those around you seem to deal with it in different ways? On the one hand, you've got those people who... They're just so calm and collective, aren't they? Everything's falling apart, but they're just so calm and collective. They're thinking things through very clearly. But on the other side, you've got others who they just can't cope and they go to mush. I'm sure we, we all know of people who, who deal with these sorts of situations in these ways. But the disciples, they say to Jesus, Master, Master, we are going down. This has gone beyond the point of being fearful that a storm's coming. They are literally fearing for their lives. They are going down. But I think Mark's account of this same story better fits the anguish and fear of the disciples in that moment. See, this is what Mark says. The disciples say, Teacher, Do you not care that we are perishing? That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Do you not care that we are perishing? Now, I'm sure many of us can absolutely relate to this comment. I'm sure many of us can. God, where are you? Where are you? I'm sinking in this situation that I'm going through. I cannot cope. I need help, Lord. Do you not care? When we go through challenging situations, those storms in our life can absolutely feel like no one understands. They can absolutely, it can feel like nobody knows what we're going through. That God himself is distant that he's quiet, 
we get that sense, that feeling of isolation, of feeling vulnerable, of feeling alone. Now, I'm sure many of you have felt that in the past, and there might be some of you today who are feeling that now. You are never alone. Was Jesus in the boat with them? Yes, he was. You are never alone. Jesus wakes from his sleep, confronts the storm, rebukes it, and the seas calm. He then turns and says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Jesus' statement raises for me when I was thinking about this, some interesting questions. Was this a test? Was it a test? Was Jesus testing the depths of their faith in that moment of trial? Why wasn't Jesus' response, don't worry everyone, I've got it in hand. All is well. Is everybody okay? Yeah, these types of things. That was a close call, wasn't it, lads? Yeah, what... That's how most of us would react. When everything's calmed down, situation's under control. But he doesn't. He responds with a rebuke. He rebukes the wind and the waves. Now he's rebuking his disciples. Where is your faith? Mark's account says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? In Matthew's account, why are you afraid, O oh, you of little faith? Now, I don't believe that Jesus is rebuking the fact that the disciples had no faith in Jesus at all. I do not believe that. But I do think that he was rebuking that, that, they, had, that they lacked sufficient faith for when they faced this trial. And I think the same can be said of us. The disciples had been with Jesus for a while. They'd followed him. They'd watched as he healed the leprous man. They'd watched as he healed the paralytic man, raised the widow's son from the dead, preached amazing authoritative messages. So they absolutely would have had faith in his power and his ability. But in that moment... In that situation, their faith in what they had witnessed Jesus do for other people up to that point wasn't strong enough. It wasn't strong enough to bring peace and calmness to their heart in that storm. In their humanity, it became evident that they had more faith that the storm would destroy them than in Jesus and that he would save them. You can't blame them for that. How true is this for us sometimes when the storms of our life swell around us? Fear often takes hold and we see no way out. We see no way out. But it's in moments like these that we have absolute opportunity to grow in our faith 
Faith is a journey of revelation, of strengthening, of purifying on the journey of becoming the image of Christ. We come to, um, we come to a saving faith on our conversion through faith alone in Jesus, do we not? Yes, we do. But then our faith continues to be refined and strengthened through our daily walk with the Lord. Through the good times, when everything's going hunky-dory, we've got food in the bank, you know, food in the bank, food in the cupboards, money in the bank, roof over our heads. You know, we love the Lord in those moments. We have strong faith in him. But it also refines us when we're going through the tough times. When we don't have hope when we struggle to see the way out, when the walls feel like they're collapsing in on us, our faith can still be purified, strengthened. Peter says this in his letter. He says, so be truly glad, he makes the point here, be truly glad There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious, far more precious than gold, So when your faith remains strong through many trials, notice he doesn't say, if you face the trials. It will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You see this truth in the life of disciples as they uh, continue to journey through the scriptures, we see it. If you follow the life of the disciples, this strength of faith grows and grows and grows. Their strength, their faith grows through many trials. They come to believe Jesus is who he says he is and they trust that he will do what he says he will do, the building blocks of faith which we have spoken about many times. This gave them genuine confidence that they weren't alone. They weren't alone and strengthened their trust in God's goodness and faithfulness to be with them through any and every trial that we face. And that's no different for every single person in this room today who calls upon Jesus as Lord and Saviour. But this raises another question. Did the disciples on the boat at that moment, did they truly know who Jesus was? Did they truly know who he was up until this point? This brings me to my second point, when the scales begin to fall from their eyes. From verse 25 of our passage, we read, he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid. 
Isn't that interesting? That they're quoted as being afraid once the calm, the storm had calmed. And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another on the boat, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waters obey him? Disciples were actually were naturally afraid because the boat was going to sink. They were fearful of their lives. But here, we see that they're still afraid. I would even suggest maybe even more afraid because the point is made of it. But in this moment, an awakening, an awakening is beginning to happen in their hearts. A revelation that Jesus may be more than just a teacher, a rabbi, even a miracle worker. Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? Who is this? Why specifically did they marvel at this miracle? Why don't we... We see them marvel in this way throughout all the other of Jesus' miracles. You see, the Jewish nation had been waiting for their Messiah. They'd been waiting for Messiah. And from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he had been turning to people and revealing, that is me. I am here. From the moment Jesus read or opened the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue in his hometown and read the spirit is the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor and then finish that reading with the bold statement today in your hearing this scripture has been fulfilled before then going out to teach, to preach, to conduct miracles as evidence of this truth and of the power of God. He'd been revealing this truth to all who would have ears to hear. Yes, Jesus did perform miracles out of compassion. Of course he did. And sometimes he performed miracles to teach about faith. But I'd suggest to you that the primary theme that emerges throughout the Gospels is that the miracles of Jesus reveal his identity as the long-awaited Messiah. But in this moment, an amazing reality is being revealed to the disciples. That Jesus might be more than they first realised. Why? Because God, because Yahweh is the only one who can control the wind and the waves. He's the only one that can do that. God, not man, controls the weather throughout their belief. And here is Jesus controlling the elements. Here is Jesus controlling the weather. No wonder they were left scared and confused, wondering, who is this? 
I wonder whether their minds were going back to the Psalms, maybe, that they'd learned growing up. Their mind just awash with thoughts, racing. Who is this? Psalms like Psalm 65, 5 to 8, by awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God, of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the furthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might. And he listened to this, who stills the roaring of the seas and the roaring of their waves. God is the one who stills the seas. Another passage, Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty? Who is mightier than you, O Lord? With your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the seas when its waves rise and you still them. This is an interesting passage. This is a who is like you God moment, a who is like you God passage when something that is talked about is, is only, this is something that only God can do. It's one of those passages. No human man, no one can do these things apart from God. And in Psalm 107, there is a frighteningly similar resemblance in stories compared to what the disciples have just witnessed and what they've gone through. Listen to this. Psalm 107, starting from verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted the waves of the sea, and they mounted up to heaven. Then they went back down to the depths. This feeling of this storm, this swell raging. They reeled and staggered like drunken men, and they were at their wits' end. Then, listen to this, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm to be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Only God can do that. Do you see, do you see, do you get it, the glimpse from the Jewish perspective? What a moment of marvel this would have been for the disciples. I think we underestimate that sometimes. No wonder they were scared. They would have remembered these passages and they would have known that only God can do these things, but here's Jesus doing it. Wow. Only God, only Yahweh, the creator and stainer of the universe, is the only one who controls the elements. But here, in their very eyes, they have just witnessed Jesus rebuke and control the wind and the waves. They were awakening to the truth that this Jesus 
He's much more than just a teacher, a miracle worker, a prophet. He was much more than that. We must ask ourselves this question, don't we? Who do we see Jesus as? There are many Christians around the world who might see Jesus as the prophet. Or sorry, there might be many people around the world, I don't want to limit it, who just see Jesus as a prophet, might just see Jesus as a miracle worker, as a teacher, as a rabbi, every other name you want to attach. But they struggle to see him as almighty God, as the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. It would have been tough for these disciples to come to challenge this revelation on their heart. That the reality is, if we don't come to this truth in our hearts, and you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, but Craig, we're all Christians in this room. It's all right, we know who God is. Maybe so. But I'm sure, like me, I've questioned that when I've gone through trials. When the time has got tough. When you don't see any way out. When you do ask those questions, oh, where are you, Lord? Are you truly able to? Can you truly help me through this? I really want to encourage you today, if this is something that you do struggle with, maybe there, there are things that you've been through in life, things that you may be going through in life, and you really are struggling with that question, where are you, Lord? Questioning, is he able? Maybe, maybe that unanswered prayer from years ago in a terrible situation has left you questioning I really want to encourage you today don't leave here still wrestling with that come and speak to one of us come to the prayer area after the service let us help and hold your hand or walk the other side of you as Jesus walks the opposite side I know there are people in this room that have gone through absolutely terrible situations And I don't know where you are in your personal walk with the Lord during trial times. You may be that person who is absolutely strong, who can stand your ground and say, the Lord, the Lord will carry me through this. Jenny, if that's you, get alongside the people that you know who struggle. Help them. See, our faith, and this is my last third, third and final point, the faith, our faith is refined quite often in the storms. The disciples are yet to fully understand who Jesus, who his identity truly 
years, but they will come to that truth. We will, ca- we will catch up with that in the story at some point. They will come to fully know who Jesus is as they journey. And their faith in the future storms that they will face, they will face both when Jesus is still here and also when he's, already, when he's ascended to heaven, will strengthen them to walk in faith through that storm, through that trial, through that problem or issue that they may be having. Why? Because they would have come to truly know who Jesus is and believe and trust in what he has said he will do and what he does do. And their confident faith in that truth is what will carry them through, as it will do us. It gave them stability through their challenges when they were walking through the birth of the early church and it can absolutely be our rock and our truth for us today. But what about you? What about me? How, what can we take away from this story? And there's actually, in this story, this calming of the storm story, there's actually multiple different lessons we can learn from this. This is the one the Lord placed in my heart, focusing in on the identity of Jesus in this moment. But I want to encourage you, don't run when the storm hits. Don't run when the storm hits. Remember who is in the boat with you. Remember who is in the boat with you. Jesus never said that we would avoid trials. Now, we don't understand. We do not understand why sometimes. We do not understand why we face the trials that we face and we go through the situations that we face. And I can't give you an answer for that. But we will face them. But don't run from them. He has promised he will be with you. He has promised that he is faithful to those who, he, who believe in him. He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He is our strength. He is our stabilizer. And he will be our anchor through the toughest times if we allow him to be. And if we rest in that, when everything around us is just falling apart. Don't panic if it feels like Jesus is sleeping. Don't panic. He's always there. Whether you feel, feel that he's not there or not is irrespective. He promises he will always be there for his people for his church, for his bride. And unlike us human beings, Jesus doesn't break his promises. Amen indeed. Where would we be if he did? Don't be afraid to cry out. Don't be afraid. Actually, I'm going to turn... Does the band want to come up? It's just as I finish this off. Don't you love it when God places a passage on your heart? Um, John 10, John 10, 27. This, this just gives us a little glimpse of the goodness of God, and I love this passage. 
Even though it's talking about salvation, the principles still apply. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. What a great comfort. The moment you come to put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're in the Father's hand. Jesus is never going to let you go. But the last thing I just want to encourage you with is don't forget to look back before you look forward. Don't forget to look back before you look. Hindsight is a powerful encourager, a really powerful encourager. Many times looking back will reveal to us Jesus was there. He was absolutely there when I couldn't see it. So don't forget to look back before you face your next storm because that would encourage you to stay firm and your faith, your faith will continue to be purified and strengthened in who he is and the promises that he holds for us. You see, unlike the disciples in that moment of confusion and asking, who is this? We are blessed to know the truth of who Jesus is revealed to us through the Holy Scriptures and made alive by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. He is Yahweh, the everlasting God, who came to earth fully God, but he came to earth also fully man and revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Praise God. He is Jesus, God the Son, who lived a human life in order that he could understand the emotions, the problems, the challenges that we go through, feel the pain, the fear and the anguish when we're in the storms. And he is Jesus, the sacrificial lamb. He went to the cross in order to bring us freedom and to bring us hope to see through the storms and to, to give us encouragement to work through the storms with his help into newness of life to all who will call upon his name as Lord and Saviour. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, every person in this room who calls you Lord and Saviour, we have faith in who you are and we have faith that you are there with us. But Lord, we do all face trials and we do all face the storms of life. And there are times, Lord, where our faith does struggle in those moments. And I just pray, Lord, that when we do go through those moments, that you remind us and you help us to stay steadfast in you. To remind us that you are there, that you will never leave us that you are helping us through and in doing so that Lord refine our faith strengthen our faith so that as we see in the disciples lives it doesn't matter what they're facing death 
their steadfastness is you is absolute Lord if there are people here this morning who are hurting who are struggling who are finding it difficult Lord I pray particularly for them will you reveal yourself to them in wherever the moment they are reveal yourself to them your goodness your peace your mercy and your strength bring confidence to their heart that you are there with them encourage them Lord if they feel able to come and speak to someone come and receive prayer and be prayed for but also to reach out to someone they trust to help them walk through this moment in their life Lord you are a good good father and we love you in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen